Welcome to Artful Aging with your host, Amy. Are you a senior or a caregiver of a senior looking for support and direction? Best-selling author, educator, and expert in senior living, Amy Friesen, is here with the help you need while providing you with an important and valuable support network. So now, please welcome the host of Artful Aging, Amy Friesen. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Artful Aging with Amy. We're bold, brave, live today after the break. Uh, I'm so happy to see everyone. I hope that you had a good new year and happy 2022. Uh, The question on top of my mind today for all of the caregivers out there is how did you find the holidays? A lot of you are going home to see loved ones, Um, that may or may not be needing some extra assistance. So I'm hoping that most of you are saying it was great and uh, there was no issues, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of you did find that there are some issues when you go home and see your loved ones. Most of the time, what I hear is, oh my God, things were so much worse with my parents or my in-laws or my loved one than I ever knew. And we need to do something immediately to help them. It happens so often in uh, my line of work and our guest today, Michelle, she's in the same line of work as I am. So we hear it so often. People come home, they visit good intentions to say hi to mom and dad or the loved one in their lives and something's hit the fan. So sometimes people realize that their loved one is living in a rougher or more dangerous condition than they thought uh, in in their physical house. Sometimes they realize that their loved one hasn't been eating properly or keeping up their personal hygiene or taking their medicine properly, which is really tough. And a lot of times we actually work with folks that figure out that their loved one has more uh, of a decline in their cognition. And it's, it's way worse than they thought. A lot of families, especially during COVID, have been away from their loved ones. So to kind of come into Um, the same areas or loved ones and notice this stuff is really difficult uh, on a lot of families. Our topic today is where my passion lies. We're speaking today about the transition from living in one's home into a senior living building and whether it's a retirement home or a nursing home. My guest today is Michelle Woodbray who is joining us from Two Sisters Senior Living Advisors in Massachusetts where her and her sister own and operate a business similar to Tientos, which all of you know is my business. And we both specialize in navigating the senior living industry for families, and most of all, educating the community on the options when it comes to senior living. Much like me, Michelle has also began her career as an activity director, where she opened a new assisted living building in Colorado, After working in programming and in operation roles, she found her passion in the sales process and guiding families from start to finish to find the right solution, which is basically my story as well, which is really interesting and probably why some of the reason Michelle and I have bonded over the last little bit. So after hearing that so many families uh, say they should have done this earlier, Michelle really wanted to help families understand how the right senior living could offer them a better quality of life. Michelle and I have numerous conversations over the past year, and we thought it would be a great idea to speak about senior living, both from our own points of views as professional, as well as geographically. So welcome, Michelle. It's really nice to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for having me. Today off by discussing why seniors make a move 
uh, to senior living in the first place. Um, and I thought today's show, we would do more of a back and forth between Michelle and I, because we have very similar experience. We run a very similar business. So Michelle, one of the, the top reasons people move is, uh, you know, me, obviously I was about to say, maybe not, but is for care reasons. Would you also find that that's kind of the top reason people get into a crisis scenario and they need care right away? And that's kind of what makes them move in the first place? Yeah, I would say that it's it's very much still need driven. Um, there's a small segment of the population here who are choosing to downsize and take advantage of what a, like an independent living community has to offer. But for the most part, um, people wait to move until something triggers it. And I find that also, you know, a lot of people are misinformed about the industry, which is what I'm hoping to shed light on today. But people move for other reasons as well. People uh, and seniors uh, tend to move if they're independent, if there's issues with things like nutrition or upkeep of the home. Um, A lot of folks are feeling isolated, especially now we're almost two years into COVID. So isolation has been a really big determinant factor for our independent clients. Um, And with that comes socialization. Do you find that although um, a lot of folks waited to move, I found uh, during COVID, um, now those folks that were independent need that extra care and some extra love, I would say. Hey, Michelle. Yeah, there there's um, the isolation itself has caused a decline in in most people, whether cognitive or otherwise. But the 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 lack of of socialization and, and engagement with other people um, has definitely taken a toll. Yeah, it's been very, very difficult. Now, some folks move um, to be closer to family. I see that a lot. We work with folks outside of Ottawa, where I'm at. Uh, And one of the reasons also for doing today's show is that Michelle's in the States and I'm in Canada. (laughs) And so sometimes we have caregivers that are in the other country trying to care for a loved one in a system that they may not understand, let alone, you know, across province that I deal with families as well. They, you know, Ontario system is different than BC system that's different than Saskatoon and, and Montreal and different things like that. Uh, obviously I know they're not all provinces, but in the different cities and, and across the different provinces, um, things differ. So that's kind of what we're aiming to do is clear it up today. Um, and then the other reason a lot of folks move are to move, uh, and so they can age in place. So they're, independent-ish. They need maybe a little bit of assistance, but they want to make a move to a retirement home where they can then age in place as things change in their health. Hey, Michelle? Yeah, it's interesting because age in place can mean a couple of different things here. Um, The way that our our system is structured and people can either move into what's considered a continuing care retirement community where they, they do age in place and we have set up independent living communities and then assisted, which is if people need a, a more help but aren't quite ready for nursing home care, and then they moves on to, to nursing homes. But we also have assisted living communities that are designed to help people age in place without them actually moving. So they stay in the same apartment and the care that they need that changes comes to them um, as their needs change. So we have a, a couple of different takes on that. It's, uh, um, I don't wanna say it's a controversial word, but it's debated um, what, what age in place means um, because it can mean a couple different things here. 
And as the senior demographic explodes, I mean, there's so many more seniors coming into this market of senior living that we're talking about. All these different um, care terms are going to start changing. Um, we're going to bring on my show in a couple of weeks. Somebody else is changing the market again, right? So it's consistently um, always moving and developing, especially now that we've got so many more seniors coming into the market. Um, and then just to touch on con- uh, the continuum of care before our break, continuum of care really means, you know, can you stay and get the care that you require in one location or in that building? And continuum of care does look different for each person. Sometimes my folks are looking for a continuum of care for physical care. Sometimes they're looking for memory care and sometimes they're looking for both. And so um, continuum care is an individual process, but um, definitely a lot, a lot of seniors that are looking to make a move now want to age in place and want that continuum of care. So after the break, Michelle and I are going to give you an insider look at the difference in senior living, both in our own backyards and over the fence. This will be helpful information for anyone looking to make a move or for a caregiver needing to help their loved one make a move in the opposite country. So you don't want to miss it. Grab a coffee, come back in a couple of minutes, and you're watching Artful Aging with Amy, and we'll see you soon. Are you in need of retirement living but unsure where to begin? At retirementhomeadvisors.ca, we have brought senior living advisors together from all over Canada to help families navigate the senior living industry. For more information, book a call with one of our advisors today. Welcome back to Artful Aging with Amy. We've been joined today by my colleague, Michelle, and Michelle operates a senior living advisory in Massachusetts called Two Seniors, or Two Seniors, oh, Michelle, Two Sisters. Uh, It's early morning still, we're just back from break. Uh, (laughs) Through conversations with Michelle, we have discussed Um, that although similar to Canada, the U.S. does have different um, options and some different aspects to consider. So this is an important segment for caregivers who live in the opposite country as their aging loved one. It's important to have a base understanding of the two system. Both Michelle and I educate our clients um, in our own respective systems, Canada and the U.S., but we also deal with a lot of people in the opposite country, which is even more confusing often. So one of the main differences between both countries is terminology, which is not unlike what uh, I see here in Canada. There's a lot of conflicting terms within the same system. Michelle, let's start by looking at the terminology of both retirement homes and nursing homes. So one of the most common terms in senior living is assisted living. Here in Canada, I like to look at that as a catch-all term or as an umbrella term. Michelle, do you find the same in the U.S.? Um, no, I think assisted living is a very specific type of care. Um, it's a very specific care model. Um, and then there's different types of assisted living, but, um, and, and like you mentioned, there are differences within Canada. There are differences. Every state here, uh, in the United States operates it a little bit differently as well. Although with regard to terminology, it's much the same across the United States. Okay. Yeah. I feel like, um, assisted living has been uh, a term maybe borrowed from the states and we kind of use it as a catch-all here but many of our clients find it really really confusing because assisted living literally means anywhere from independent with housekeeping all the way up to extensive care so Michelle could you uh, break down 
the physical buildings to start perhaps in the U.S. and the services they can do for the viewers just so they kind of got, you know, a very basic idea of each type of building. Sure. And again, um, th this is very specific, more specific to Massachusetts where we operate out of. Although, again, I, I think that it would be similar in most of the other states. There are a few options that don't exist here in Massachusetts that do in, in other parts of the country. But we have... Um, I mentioned earlier in the first segment, continuing care retirement communities, and those are typically campuses. Um, and usually you have to purchase, you buy into it, or it's a, um, what's considered an entry fee, um, where you put a large sum up front, and much of that is refundable when you move out. Um, but that includes an independent living. And independent living here in the States usually is an apartment um, that has services like housekeeping, um, and meals available, but there's not care. Um, so it's it's everything but but the care. And people can bring care in from a home care agency. But then there's assisted living. And assisted living, <clears throat> again, is different in each state, but typically is an apartment uh, where somebody rents. And the care that they need with their activities of daily living comes into their apartment to support them throughout the day and night. Um, meals are provided, utilities are included, but if somebody has a skilled medical need that requires a nurse around the clock in almost every state, that would that that's what would um, preclude that they move to a nursing home or a skilled nursing facility where medical care can be delivered. So the big difference between assisted living and nursing home care is that assisted living communities are not medical models of care. And, and, and so assistance with activities of daily living, custodial care, if you will, is provided in assisted living. But if somebody needs medical care, um, or if they can't afford these other options, then they go into what we call a nursing home. Interesting. So here in Canada, um, and specifically Ontario, where I operate, but I have colleagues in the country, we kind of work in two main systems and then a kind of a third one that I'm not as familiar with. I have talked to my colleagues about, but generally speaking, here we have uh, retirement homes. So we have independent, which could be your own home condos, apartments, whatnot, you can bring care in from home care, you can bring in care from, you know, your family, whoever that is. And then from there, we have retirement homes, which I like to call a social model. Many retirement homes are geared to be able to also offer independent care. And in a home like this, that would pretty much include your meals and your housekeeping and your social activities. And then any care on top of that would be extra. So we have a couple of homes that do just independent, uh, but they're considered retirement homes as well still. And then we have the majority of homes that offer medical care as well. And they also range. There's, you know, what I call somewhere between the mild to medium amount of care, um, needing like a one person assist, which means getting up out of a bed. You maybe need one person to help you out. Um, all the way, especially in, in Ottawa, where I'm in, all the way up to two-person transfers and lifts and hoyers and things, which is a lot of terminology I'm throwing at you, but basically um, pretty extensive 
care. Yeah. And our assisted living communities are not all the same either. It's not a yes or no or a black and white. There's many shades. And so there are some assisted living communities that really only provide light assistance, like you mentioned. Um, and then there are some that provide two-person transfer assists um, and even using mechanical lifting devices and, and, and um, things like that. So even within the assisted living term, there's yeah. a wide range. Well, that's why it's so confusing, right? Because one home will say assisted living and they only offer a small amount of care. And one other home will say assisted living and they offer all of the care. So it's it's pretty difficult for the community to navigate. On top of which then, you know, in Ontario, we have then nursing homes, which are mandated by the country, essentially the province. And um, they have, they're the medical model. So you have to, you you can't really be independent in a nursing home. You have to be a certain level of care and, and you would go through the system of the province. And then in some provinces, we also have personal care homes, which are kind of in between there. So uh, it, it can be very, very difficult uh, to navigate. And so again, that's what we're trying to do is give you some terminology, give you a base of reference uh, in today's show so that you can then take that and either go to a professional or go online and have a look at your options. So we'll continue this conversation after the break. It's that time again. I can't believe it already. So when we come back, Michelle and I will be discussing family conflict and pushback. Should be very informative conversation. You won't want to miss it. Get up, stretch your legs. You've been watching Artful Aging with Amy on Bold Brave TV. We'll see you in a few. Welcome back. Hope you had time to stretch a little bit. Uh, The topic often comes up for... Uh, Michelle and I about family pushback, either a parent um, or a sibling or basically anyone else in their life. Usually uh, the question that we get asked is how do we get everybody on the same page, which is super difficult in some families, easier in others. It just depends. And again, it's a personal situation. Michelle, if you're working with a family and the siblings are divided on what to do, what suggestions can you give our viewers about possible ways around this tricky situation? Our first our first objective would be to help the family define the senior's aging goal. What, what do they want to see for themselves? How do they envision if they need care and they need support, how do they envision that happening? Um, if there's dementia or cognitive impairment involved, obviously that that can't always happen. But ideally, once we identify what, what the senior wants to have happen, their family can fall in line <laughs> with what they want. Or, or not. Um, but if they are their own decision maker, then it, it's relatively easy to um, identify a, a, a power of attorney. Hopefully they already have in place and a health and a healthcare proxy, which is what's needed here in Massachusetts for medical decisions. Um, and then we can put plans in place geared towards what the senior wants. Um, and and that that's the easiest way is, is a lot of times families come to us and they really haven't had the conversation about what mom or dad or or whomever it is might want for themselves. So that's always where we start. I find it really difficult on the same wavelength, but um, often I got an independent senior, super cognitively well, making a decision that they want to move to retirement living because of whatever reason, because of, you know, they don't like cooking anymore, or they need help with their medication, or they want to be social, or the other reasons we named in the kind of the first part of the show. And 
often people in the family or their friends say, oh, no, Mildred, you don't need to do that. And, you know, Mildred is looking at everything like, oh, well, maybe they're right. And so often we have to talk to our seniors about the fact that this is their decision. They know what's happening day in, day out. They know what they're struggling with. They know, you know, all of those things. And so it's really difficult because often our folks make a decision that they want to do this. And then the the peer pressure or family pressure gets in the way and they say, oh, you're not old enough for doing that. You're not sick enough to do that. And most of it comes down to uh, the fear that the family or this or the um, friends have because of their own care, perhaps, or of what that might look like for their parent. And it comes down to a more fear basis for the extended family and friends more so than what, you know, Mildred's up to over there. And so sometimes my team also deals with uh, pushback from the parents that uh, have cognitive issues as well, right? So I don't want to not address that because cognitive impairment is a a big deal as well. And so so on one hand, we're dealing with if it's pushback from the senior themselves, sometimes they're not ready, they're misinformed about their options, they, you know, don't do the, you know, homework to have, you know, an eye, they just kind of take what other people's experiences are and say, oh, I'm not ready for that instead of looking into it themselves. And then on the other side, we get pushback when we're not dealing with family specifically. These are the two senior pushbacks I find is with someone who has diminished capacity and they actually can't make a sound decision for themselves. And so it's really difficult um, to negotiate in that scenario. And if you happen to have catched our episode five, which is about power of attorney from our estate lawyers and stuff, um, that gives you some answers if you're a loved one dealing with that as well. But for today, Michelle and I are going to look at this from a senior living advisor point of view. So let's look at pushback from a senior who is either not ready to move or is misinformed. Michelle, I'm sure that you've come across this. How do you work with these seniors? Um, well, uh, it's interesting, Amy, I want to comment first on that fact that I, I, we don't run into that often that other scenario that you mentioned where, um, the, the family is convincing or trying to convince the senior not to make a move that that does not actually happen that that often around here. It's almost always the senior themselves is resistant to making a move. And the, the truth is it's a fear of the unknown when, when people think about senior care, they oftentimes have in mind what their what their parents or their grandparents um, experienced and what a nursing home looks like or used to look like. And they don't know that it's it's actually a, a get to. Um, most of the communities around here are a huge opportunity and it's a huge improvement in their quality of life. Um, and we can talk until we're blue in the face um, and try to get them to come around to understand that. But in our experience, the best, easiest way is to get them to experience it themselves. So the sooner we can get somebody to get in and tour to agree, even just to look at it as a backup plan. Um, if that's what, if that's what they're open to, just so if something happens, this, they know where they want to go. Once they begin to tour, um, and, and see what, what's available, it actually becomes quite a bit easier. If somebody is con, it does have, um, 
isn't experiencing a lot of cognitive decline. It's, it's, it's oftentimes easier once we get them to tour or even do a, a respite stay or a short-term stay for like a month and try it out. Um, those are very successful here. Most people don't return home after they try a trial stay or a respite stay in assisted living. Um, the conversation is a very different one if we are working with someone who has cognitive impairment. So um, we can, I'll let you weigh in on that, but I can certainly um, talk about that, but that's a very different process. For sure. And I'm actually surprised that you said that you don't have people being convinced by their, their, their loved ones to not move. Cause we actually deal with it quite a lot in, in Ottawa that we have these independent seniors who do want to make a move, who've educated themselves and then they get pushed back from their loved ones, which is, it's yeah. disheartening to me Luckily, to see it that. It never well. happens, but it's yeah. not, it's not that often. And, and lately, you know, because of COVID there has been more, but in general, that isn't something that we that we have faced quite as much. Yeah, and we, you know, on the other hand, like you said, with someone who has cognitive decline, one of the things that happens a lot that we see is that their short-term memory goes. And so they we've got this parenting the parent situation where they see their children, for instance, as younger, as younger adults or as children. And so they have an issue with being parented by their children, which I totally understand. Uh, and it's just something that you have to work around a little bit. And I find also for both scenarios that, you know, often if I can, you know, speak with the senior, often we, you know, work with the family and then we also work with the senior. But if I can have a good conversation with the senior who's moving, whether or not they have cognitive decline or not, um, talking to them directly, it's their choice, making sure that they understand that and giving them options and trying to plan that they, so we don't get in a crisis scenario usually goes quite a far way. Wouldn't you say, Michelle? Yeah, it does. And then, you know, when we are dealing with somebody who has short-term memory impairment, it's important to come up with some systems to have things written down, perhaps, um, or make sure that everybody's on the same page about what we're um, using to remind them uh, or, or uh, cue them back into the conversation, um, because it, you can get somewhere and then and then they won't they won't remember a little while later, and, and it's it can be difficult, but. Um, I think you're spot yeah. on. It, yeah, it's really difficult. Even on tour, I tell, I coach the families, you know, let's, when we can physically tour right now, we're actually not, we're Zoom touring again. But when we physically tour, I always tell the families to watch the body language while we're touring. Because if they don't remember, then in that moment, you can see how they feel about the building and just to kind of make note of that. So uh, a lot of our families tend to do that. We're going to take another break, Michelle. I'm going to just, uh, after the break, we're going to discuss money, which is usually the top of everybody's list of questions. Uh, definitely one of the number one questions that we get. It's a, it's a big misunderstanding um, and, and a lot, again, kind of take from their friends and family who have gone through the process and they're, you know, relating to my situation must be like their situation. Therefore, the cost is the same and it usually isn't. So really, it's just about informing you of where we're, where we're starting. So let's see if Michelle and I can help clear it up for you. You're watching Artful Aging with Amy. We'll be right back. Are you trying to navigate the Ontario long-term care system, but could use a little bit more assistance? Roadmap to Long-Term Care in Ontario is an online course dedicated to teaching you the ins and outs of the entire industry. Sign up today at tntoast.ca forward slash course. Welcome back. We're speaking with Michelle uh, of Two Sisters in Massachusetts, and we're trying to 
uh, unlock some of the misconceptions and give you some extra education because that's what Michelle and I do for a living. We help people find senior living options. Um, And so what we're going to talk about right now is cost because just like terminology, there's a lot of misconceptions about cost, you know, private sector versus public sector and, and all of that. So it gets very, very confusing. Although we will dive a little deeper in a minute. One thing that often leads to an increase or decrease in cost in the private sector often works with families who are not wanting to move or wanting to wait for a crisis. However, often that situation, the cost rises because as they're waiting for the move or not wanting to move, their health care needs increase. Um, And usually if they were in a residence, a retirement home here, for instance, uh, as an independent, you know, they have meals, they have extra people around and socialization. So a lot of people's health tends to stay up as opposed to decrease when they move into um, independent living and retirement living. And so the longer they wait and the more often they're waiting for a crisis, more often the next time I see them or next time I have a conversation with them, they're in full-blown crisis, which means we need a lot more care, which means it's a lot more money. Um, and so that often tends to be one of the determinants. Of course, care is also another determinant just as it, as it is. You know, when folks are ready to make a move and if they need a lot of care, then um, it definitely goes up. So I find that a lot of families get frustrated with retirement homes because, you know, on the websites, it's ballpark pricing and people think that, you know, retirement homes are hiding things. But in true um, style, they're not really They're They're trying to give folks an idea without quoting these costs that they don't know because they never know what the care is actually going to be. So. Here, I'm going to give you a bit of a ballpark cost um, where I am, and I'm going to kind of lend it to Michelle afterwards to talk about so that you guys get an idea of what the cost situation might look like. So a ballpark for an independent residence in a studio here in Ottawa, we're going, so sorry to backtrack for a minute, for independent, we're going to look at, you know, having housekeeping involved, having your meals and your social, right? So, and sometimes, you know, a drive to medical appointments and things. That's independent retirement where I'm at. And generally in a studio, you're looking at somewhere between $2,500 and $3,500 a month without care. So remember, care is always on top. For a one bedroom, for contrast, around $4,000 to $7,000 a month for a one bedroom. And so on top of that are things like second occupant, which is your partner, and that's usually around $1,000 a month. And if they need care, and just so you know, care can be as little as $100 a month if you need you know, a bath a week or something like that, all the way up, I've seen it up to around $2,000 a month. So it can be quite extensive. The long-term care system in Canada, on the other end, uh, is regulated. Um, So in Ontario, we're anywhere from $1,800 a month for a shared room with all of your care included, up to about $3,000 for a private room, all your care included. And again, that's in our nursing home system. So Michelle, let's look at the cost in the States. Can you give us a ballpark idea of what independent might look like for cost? I can. Um, I can't speak for the entire United States, unfortunately, uh, on this because the cost varies. It there, it, it's affected by the similar factors as real estate, like where the building is, um, as well as the the apartment inside of the building, and and some other factors. Even within Massachusetts, there's a huge variance um, in in um, 
different um, counties uh, and different areas. So um, on the low end, there's independent living, um, I would say around $2,500 or $3,000, like you mentioned, um, that doesn't include care, that would include a meal and utilities, and that would be um, in, a, in a smaller style apartment. Um, but that that there are independent living communities that start at eleven or twelve thousand um, dollars, not that far away uh, from from those other communities uh, here in Massachusetts as well. Um, assisted living, where services are available, and oftentimes forty five minutes to an hour of care is included. We have a few different assisted living models. Um, some it's all inclusive, um, which includes a lot more care, and some does it doesn't include any care but there are packages and additional care is available. Um, but even those communities start higher, usually around $4,000 um, on the low end for, for an assisted living. Um, here in the United States, sometimes people will do companion style apartments and, and share uh, an apartment with another resident of the same sex. Um, and that will, will help keep the cost down. Um, with regard to nursing homes, if somebody is unable to pay for their care privately, either at home, in an assisted living, or in other parts of the country, and in, in group, in group um, adult homes or um, a group foster homes are called sometimes, then they go on to Medicaid, which is the the government um, healthcare system that provides for people that that can't afford for their care, and then they go into a skilled nursing facility or or a nursing home, and in order to qualify for Medicaid, uh, somebody has to have under two thousand dollars in assets, and so there's kind of a it's it's a confusing process and, and part of a lot of people's stress in planning for long-term care here in the United States is there is Medicaid eligibility. Um, and that's a whole other show. <laughs> um, but mm -hmm. when somebody does qualify for Medicaid, they can go into a nursing home. They need to require care. They can't be, you can't be independent. You have to have um, the need for assistance with three skilled needs or activities of daily living. Then they can live in the nursing home um, just paying their social security income um, or, or whatever their, their monthly income is minus um, currently it's $72.80 is what somebody can keep um, if they're in a nursing home on, on Medicaid. Um, but all of their other needs, everything is met. All of their medications are paid for, um, all of their um, doctor's visits, their food, utilities, everything is included at that point. Perfect. I should also um, piggyback on that to say in our nursing homes as well, there is in the basic suite, there is availability for the government to cover um, as well. So we do have a subsidized care system here as well. Um, and paying in a nursing home here can be as, as it can be four or $500 a day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it can be quite expensive. But um, yeah, so, and, and Michelle and I have spoke at length about Medicaid and it's, for me, and it's complicated system and uh, she's right, it could be a whole other segment and maybe we'll do that if, if our viewers uh, would like that. So uh, let's take a little bit of a break again. We'll let that simmer or break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're gonna let you know what you need to know about working with advisors and how to navigate the industry as a whole. So we will see you in a few minutes. Artful Aging with Amy is currently looking for guests and show ideas for our next season. 
Drop us a line at hello at artfulagingwithamy.com and let us know what you would like to learn about in our upcoming season. Welcome back to Artful Aging with Amy. And if you've been following us for the last little bit, uh, you know that I'm all about making plans. Most of my guests are all about making plans. Um, I'm sure that you're tired of hearing it, but it's true. You know, the more plan that you can make in any facet of your life, hopefully things will go smoother. Um, Making a move to senior living community is no different, though. And although Michelle and I work with a lot of families in crisis, we also work with families that are at the beginning of their journey. So in my humble opinion, a senior living advisor shines in both a crisis scenario when they know and have the contacts and the relationships to get things done and arranged quickly. They can make it work within a matter of days usually, um, as well as in a planning scenario, which is what we're going to touch on now. In my opinion, a senior living advisor is your direct link into the senior living industry, whether you're looking at retirement home solutions or direction to find assistance in the public sector. Most of us concentrate on retirement assisted living homes and educate families on the difference between each, as well as the options uh, for families who are looking for future scenarios. So that continuum of care, you're going to get educated uh, when you work with an advisor of kind of all of your options so that it's the best best way for your family. Let's look at how families can choose the right advisor for them. And Michelle, these are my top uh, three. And so feel free to jump in. Uh, firstly, you should be looking for an advisor who has a good reputation as well as some experience, either as a business or on the team. And I say either or or both. So if the business has been established for a while or uh, if there's people on the team that have that can bring that experience. Uh, in the States, it's a little bit different because advisors have been around for a lot longer than in Canada. Uh, Canada, we haven't had advisors very long. Tantos is going to be eight years old. We're probably a 10-year market at this point. Michelle, would you agree that, you know, having a good reputation and having some experience, that's my top number one. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, you know, here in the United States, there are different types of senior living advisors. Some of us come into this having worked in senior care, and there are others that identify uh, that there's a, a good business opportunity to be had uh, because the fastest growing segment of the population are, are um, I believe, still those that are 85 plus. Um, and so there's a there's a big difference. I like the expression of, or I'm going to probably screw it up now that I'm on TV, but don't ask directions. <laughs> to someone where they've never been. Um, and I think that that is an important uh, analogy because you you don't want to ask someone how to get somewhere if they've never been there before. Um, and so finding an advisor who has the experience that you mentioned, even personally, um, as well as professionally, uh, I think is an important uh, for, place to start. For sure. And then so my number two would be find an advisor that understands your local market because there's there's definitely advisors that are only uh, virtual, right? And so have they toured the buildings in your area? Do they have relationships with the marketers and the homes in your area? Because those relationships uh, make your experience with an advisor much better. Um, and advisors also differentiate between how they're paid and none of us are that shy about it. And actually we get asked about it all the time. So some advisors work complimentary, some advisors 
play. And usually it comes down to the location, what the market will um, retain and things like that. And a lot of different models, none of them are, you know, more right or more wrong than other. They're just different. But what the point of this part is, is to explain that you should know what the model is. You should be informed of how your advisor works so that, again, you have the most education around your search. Wouldn't you agree, Michelle? Yeah, I think transparency is is really important. Um, making sure you understand how the advisor you're working with is compensated um, and from whom. In in some cases, if a company is completely complementary, they aren't necessarily partnered with all of the options. And so somebody may not be aware of some of the options that could work for them. Um, and that is, is where transparency, I think, is really important. Yeah, that's really difficult because we've definitely had um, folks that thought they had the options until they came to us and we said, you know, here's five more options, although we don't normally get five options, but there's definitely more. Uh, Myself, I work on a hybrid model here because this is what our area does, Uh, but my colleagues out uh, west work uh, mostly on commission, so like uh, consulting. So uh, it does differ. And um, but knowing that you're going with someone local, like number like point one, also helps. So if you combine the two, you're in a better situation. My third point would be the your advisor should be able to educate you on options for current care needs as well as future care needs. They should also be able to tell you about what's happening in the retirement living market. If there's any issues with any specific homes, um, you know, when the high and low markets are and the demands as well. Hey, Michelle. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, not just looking at what is the right fit for you right now, um, but how long will that work for? And if that doesn't work anymore, what's the plan for after that? And I think it's important to look at, at the whole picture and not just what the the immediate or the next need is, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And and not to mention, you know, the landscape is in constant flux. Even COVID made it more in flux. And then there's more seniors coming in. For the first time in my almost 20 years, we're getting wait lists in our area for retirement living, which is not usually a thing. So everybody's moving and we're, we're, we're moving with the system, but how is someone supposed to know that, right? If you're just, you know, in the community. So um, working with advisor certainly helps. Michelle and I have been talking on break. We could have done six shows with all this material, but we've come to an end. So um, if you're interested in more shows, please give me an email at hello at artfulagingwithamy.com and, and we'll see what we can do. Michelle, for now, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for having me. For more information on Michelle and Two Sisters Senior Living Advisors, head over again to my site at artfulagingwithamy.com where you'll find her bio as well as the links to uh, Two Sisters. After the break, we're going to look at today's top tips and I'm going to narrow it down for those folks again who love the Coles Notes version. You're watching Artful Aging with Amy live on Bull Brave TV. Welcome back. You're watching Artful Aging with Amy. We're live on Bull Brave TV. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that you found today's chat informative. Again, if you need some more information, please feel free to head over to artfulagingwithamy.com, reach out to myself or Michelle, or there's extra um, printables and things like that for your senior living journey. All of it's on the site and you can uh, reach out as well directly by email at hello at artfulagingwithamy.com. For now, let's do my top tips for today. Tip one is let's get educated. Find out what's available in your area. 
find out if you're working with an um, advisor, educate yourself on how they work, um, understand what care is needed now for you and your loved one, so what might be a future need. That's easier to do if there's something that's progressive, like dementia or Parkinson's or MS or things like that that, that move ahead. Um, you can plan easier if you're an independent uh, senior. It's a little bit trickier, so do your best, but at least try to um, think about it so that you can educate yourself as well. I have a lot of families that, you know, when we discuss what they should be doing, they're very, very overwhelmed and they want that feeling to stop as soon as possible. So they pick what's going to fit right in that moment. But little do they know, and what I'd like to, you know, let you know as my viewers, is that if you only give it just a small a bit more of training, or training, sorry, a small uh, amount more of planning, then the initial decision that you made can actually be for the future as well. Uh, you only need to tweak it a little bit. So get to the part where you're not overwhelmed, but then know that just that extra little bit will make things so much smoother going down the way. Tip two is make a plan. I know that you know this already, but start early, allow it to be flexible, consider things like mobility aids, renovations to the home, home care, retirement homes, long-term care, just, you know, be flexible in your plan, but think about these things so that you're not caught in a pinch and you're not caught in a crisis scenario. And number three, work with a professional when you can, when it's an option. Again, in Canada for senior living, there's not very many of us, but we have a network of advisors in Canada. Again, if you go over to our site at earthfulagingwithamy.com, there is a link there for retirementhomeadvisors.com as well. Uh, they can we can speed up the process and take down the overwhelm that you and your family might be feeling, uh, not to mention educate you on all of the choices that uh, are available to you and your family. So there you have it. Uh, that is all for today. I hope again that you found it informative. Our guest next week is Lisa Flanders, and we are going to be flushing the stigma on incontinence. So you definitely want to tune in next week. We have some really good points. If you like today's show and you're listening to us live or on YouTube or podcast, please feel free to give us a comment. That'll help other families find us a lot easier. And thank you again for joining me on Artful Aging with Amy on Bull Brave TV today. From me to all of you, I hope you have a wonderful Wednesday. You've been listening to Artful Aging with host Amy. Many folks just like you feel they're alone in their journey in helping a loved one or caregiver. So tune in each week and let Amy show you that help is around the corner and is just one conversation away here on Artful Aging.